Good afternoon. Thanks once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here, and we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review reports. This one's talking about getting your employees on board with new technologies. We're also going to have a chat with Christina Sikiatis on our Minute on Innovation. Look at uh, smart cities. But right now, we're going to... uh, have a chat with Tony Vidray from AV Chartered Accountants about Superstream. Good afternoon, Tony. Good afternoon, Julian. How are we? I'm very well. And yourself? Yeah, pretty well. Pretty and good. happy birthday for yesterday. Yeah, oh, thank it's you. Got out, got out of the world now. Yeah. Another well, year older. <laughs> I'm trying to forget about it, but everyone keeps reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, first of all, you want to have a quick chat about a scam that's going around. People again this time of year, where where people start to think about tax and getting their June 15 stuff together, that there are some scammers out there who are, are ringing people up at home and saying that they owe money to the um, to the tax office um, and uh, putting people into a into a bit of a panic. Um, the, the tax office have repeatedly said they don't ring people; um, they they you know do everything via uh, letters or, or through the agent. So if you get one of these calls, you'll um, you'll know pretty um, pretty well it's a scam if you ask for a phone number to uh, to call them back. What I find interesting about them is that they're they're actually threatening people with jail terms if they they don't pay their uh, their tax. And um, uh, I'm not sure I didn't have time to look it up, but um, under the old um, rules, and I'm not sure if they've changed it. You, you can't you couldn't actually go to jail for not paying your tax. You, <laughs> I'm not sure if they've changed it, but you can go to jail for not lodging a return. Oh. Uh, there is a um, and I, that, that, I'm not sure if they've changed that either. But I remember. You know, when we first started studying all this sort of stuff, that uh, yeah, it was a very interesting distinction that was made. You, you can go to jail for not lodging a return, but you can't go to jail for not paying um, your um, your tax. So, what are these scam people trying to do? Get get uh, bank account details? Yeah, pretty that... much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The usual routine of trying yeah. to skim money, skim money from people. So, it's, yeah, it's we have to be vigilant these days. Well, well, the first of July is coming up fast, and Superstream is a, is Don't something. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> Busy time. <laughs> it is. It's insane. Yeah. So yeah, starts up the whole. It starts all over again on the first of July. Many happy returns and all those wonderful puns. Yeah. Um, but um, yes, a new little system called SuperStream um, was supposed to kick off from the first of July, um, twenty fifteen. So the first thing we need to talk about is that the tax office have broken employers up into two broad categories: those that employ twenty or more employees. Um, so in other words, you're large, and then your small employ- employers those that employ less than um, 20 people. Now, if you're small, you've got a bit of a, a relief. You've got another 12 months to before you have to focus on this, but we'll have a bit of a chat about that because you really should start Thank having a about. think about your processes and systems. So the large employers um, with more than 20 employees, they've been busily getting ready for SuperStream. So if you go back under the old system or the current system that we have at the moment, um, the, the large super funds, and I'll use the AMPs and the BTs and the MLCs of the world, they receive contributions in a number of different ways. They receive them by cheque, by BPAY, um, you know, electronic, EFT, you name it. Now, they quite successfully got into the ears of um, government years ago and said, look, this is an enormous amount for us to have, it, to, have to process. I mean, they have to go all the way down to the bank and bank a cheque and then come back and type up all the details and data entry, all that sort of stuff. So they managed to get the government's attention and said, look, this is all very cumbersome. We'd like a more efficient um, uh, system. And uh, in this you know, e-commerce world that we're in now, um, what essentially SuperStream does is it sucks the information out of your payroll system. So we'll talk about MYOB and Zero. 
So if you're going to go and make a, a contribution, you've got 25 employees, you go to make the contribution, that data will get sucked right out of your um, MYB payroll, so your name, uh, the address, tax file number of the employee, as well as the amount of super contribution, it'll feed it directly into the computer system of AMP, as well as taking that appropriate amount of money out of your bank account and sending it across to AMP. So it's by far efficient. The, the large life officers, your AMPs and the MLCs of the world love this system and they will love it because it, it will cut down a lot of um, administration. Yeah. The tax officers are going to love this system as well because at the moment they kind of don't know... Well, the super's been paid. Well, A, whether the super's been paid, but more importantly, whether the super's been paid on time. And the only real way that, that they gather their intelligence on this is if they have to physically and manually go to each of these live officers, uh, life officers and say, oh, give me a printout of all the people that you know, paid late. So it's very cumbersome, very manual. This super stream, you imagine it like um, a, a river going backwards and forwards. The tax officers are going to be sitting on the banks of the river watching this information flow and they are going to know instantly in real time whether employers pay on time or late. So mm. it's a very sinister underbelly. But yeah. again, look, you know, and again, they make no apologies and I, and I guess we've got a very... Um, robust um, superannuation system here in Australia and um, they make no apologies. The employers need to pay on time. It's another one of those business expenses that needs to be um, provided for and you, we do have a lot of, sadly, a lot of rogues um, in this country where people, um, A, don't pay or they pay late and uh, yeah, things are, are definitely going to change from, um, well, it was supposed to be the 1st of July but um, a couple of weeks ago they did announce that um, there's a few teething problems and they've actually put the start date um, back four months. So but just coming. just correcting, this is this is for people with more than 20 employees? More than 20 employees, yeah. It was supposed to come in on Wednesday, 1st of July. A lot of the life officers were not going to accept contributions after the 1st of July unless it was done through Superstream. So that's now been pushed back to um, uh, four months. So uh, 1st of whatever it is, September. And what about the uh, the smaller businesses now? Well, they've got a reprieve of 12 months. Now, um, we're talking on off-air. If you, if you do this, look at the statistics and, and the numbers, in terms of numbers, there are by far more employers in this country of small business, of people under um, 20 employers, than there are of overs. So, um, you know, a lot of the teething issues will be sorted out. But there's going to be, by sheer volume, there's going to be an enormous number of employers of under, tw under 19 employees that are going to have to get Superstream ready by this time next year. If I was a betting man, I would suggest that they'll probably defer it um, again. But um, small businesses are going to have a lot of challenges because at the moment, as I, as I say, the system at the moment, they can pay by cheque, they can pay by BPAY, EFT. They can also use the ATO clearinghouse. Now, my understanding is that um, the, the tax office and the government want people to stop using the clearinghouse and to start using um, Superstream. Um, but if I was a betting man, I'd probably suggest that maybe the, um, the clearinghouse will stay um, for a little bit longer. But the way it is at the moment, um, if you've got employees, you've really got to start planning um, this super stream because you need um, internet access. You need to update your software. For example, um, you know, the, the current versions of uh, MYB and Xero or the versions you have at the moment, you need to have a look and see whether they um, are SuperStream compliant because I know for a fact that only the last version or the last two versions of MYB have been SuperStream compliant. So there's a lot of upgrading and there's a lot of cost and there's a lot of people who are, now, you know, I'm happy with my MYB well, that I bought 17 years ago. <laughs> well, it, I, uh, 
I, I use uh, Excel, so... Uh, yeah. You're in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I've got to have another look at that system. But uh, just, just one clarification, too. For people who run their own businesses and have only, say, only themselves, say, say you've only well, got you and, and your wife. Yep, okay. So if you and your wife are the only employees of your small business, if you have your own self-managed super fund, none of this applies to you. Oh, okay. Right? But if, you, if you're putting your money into A&P or B, it will apply to you. Right? Okay. Or if you just have the two of you and you have a one employee, this will apply to you. There, there yeah. are no exemptions. There, there are no exemptions if there's. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's and there's. All, you know, I've got one client who is so paranoid about the internet. Um, he has his MYB software and on a computer that is not connected to the internet. Mm. And I said, you're going to be in trouble next year. And he said, no, I'm not. They are. And I've gone, well, we'll no, see. what's going to happen is um, you're going to draw a cheque and send your super contributions off to AMP, and uh, they're going to send them back. And when they send them back, um, you're, you're actually deemed not to have paid your superannuation on time. Mm. So you're in a world of hurt. So this, mm. this is what I'm saying. People have really got to start thinking about upgrading their, their, their processes, their systems. Um, a lot of the bookkeepers are across this sort of stuff, so they're already making noises to their um, employers Please. to say you need to, yeah, you need to upgrade because you, you simply won't be able to uh, to be super stream uh, ready. I can see a lot of confusion out there in the marketplace. It, we're already feeling a lot of phone calls <laughs> from it because, um, well, I mean, look again, credit where credit's due. The tax office have started their education campaign, so there are a lot of letters. Um, that are floating around. A lot of our, I guess, our human nature is to push it aside and we'll deal with, um, it when with it has that to. later. But, mm. you know, some vigilant people are, um, yeah, scanning those in and saying, what do I need to do about this? So, um, yeah, it's it's not something that can be um, can be, uh, can be be pushed aside. And, and uh, yeah, it's it's a brave new world. We're, we're dealing with... The, and, look, again, you go back to even um, uh, Centrelink and the Family Assistance Office and mm. Department of Human so- Services, as they call themselves these days, they, they want us all to, to communicate with them electronically. There's a mygov.website where a lot of your you know, family tax benefits are, are now going to go there. Notices of assessment are going to go directly That's to right. the, the MyGov space. The, the government are serious about dealing with everyone electronically. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks very much for your time, Tony, and we'll have a chat with you probably be beginning of August sometime. And, and by the way, just one very, very quick um, piece of news that I've just read, the um, you know the $20,000... Yep. Small business asset write-off. Yep. Um, that legislation was passed in the, in the last couple of days, so it okay. is law. So okay. those naysayers, <laughs> it's law. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks, Julian. <laughs> Bye-bye. Cheers. Tony Vidray there helping us to understand a little bit about Superstream, and we better find out about it. You're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. It's 25 minutes past one. Or just gone, and time to pop over to Christina Sikiatis. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. Nice to see the sun. It is, although the weather forecast is not that good. It says cloudy with a 70% chance of showers. So. I know, but I'm looking outside. It's not quite that bad at the moment, so we'll just revel in the sunshine. Same here. So we're going to talk about smart cities. I believe we're going to do a trip from Boston to Australia to Newcastle. Yeah, and it's quite an interesting journey, really, that one. Um, there was some a, a fair bit of talk at the Boston Innovation Conference um, about smart cities, 
And smart cities is all about big data, really. It's about collecting data on the habits of the citizens. So, again, it's one of those things that people used to stand on the sidewalk and, and measure things, um, you know, with a pen and a piece of paper. Now we're managing to measure things electronically. There were a few terms thrown around like citizen innovation as opposed to product or producer innovation, which is, you know, obviously people producing new products um, and innovating on, on existing products. Citizen innovation is where the citizen actually can supply the design and everything, as we have talked about a lot of times, comes from the point of view of the, the end consumer. Mm. But big data big data um, is really moving forward, has been for some time in health. So there's a, a gentleman by the name of Peter Diamandis who runs, or he's one of the founders of the Singularity University, um, and he talks constantly about how um, how big data is being collected from our genes. Like, we've got we've got the 3.2 billion base pairs of DNA genes in us, or some amazing figure like that. Um, and each one of these, they believe, can eventually be correlated to big data so that we can do a complete analysis of the human body. Um, and their, their optimum um, goal, I guess, is to, is to do some work around human longevity. Now, there's a lot of people that would disagree that that's a good thing, but that's, a, that's an argument for another day. So apparently there are 3.2 billion nucleotides from the mother and 3.2 billion nucleotides from the father, and these can all be data datafied using technology um, to to figure out where our health might go wrong, where things you know where things might be affected, what diseases we're prone to from our history and our genealogy. So that's just one way that they're using um, big data. Smart cities is actually coming back to the fact of helping people from the consumer's point of view, even down to I can I, there will be an app that will be able to be developed and I can punch in some information and find out where there's an empty car park in my particular region. So I'm not sure how many of your readers subscribe to the BIW um, uh, information newsletter that comes out every day, but there was a really interesting article that came out yesterday about big data um, and smart cities. And it's all about um, sidewalk labs Google are doing and how we're going to measure things and use things for the betterment of people that are, that are you know, using cities and travelling around cities to the point where the self-driving cars will be able to move in and out and pick up people along the way and um, challenge private sectors and public sectors to build cities capable of supporting all this, the growing population and the data that's coming along with it. Mm. Which and They talk about there's an Amsterdam case study, an Amsterdam smart city case study, um, and they're building urban laboratories, if you like, and they're, they're testing. There's a real collaborative effort required in this kind of thing between institutions, businesses, um, the, the citizens of the city, the councils, to come together to collect this data to improve life. And in Amsterdam, they've actually worked on 75 projects to date. So the whole idea of the article on, BMW, on the BRW was that... Um, Australia needs to be, you know, leading this and we need to be active in this space. And I can happily say that Newcastle is already in that space because oh. we have a smart cities project happening in Derby Street. Okay. So anybody who's um, gone down Derby Street lately may or may not have noticed that there's these little black mounds um, in all the car parks. So they're collecting data on how long the car parks are being used, when when the prime time... Um, these car parks are being used, and that information can be collated, and that is the kind of data they're going to turn into this app that will tell you where the empty yeah where the empty car parks are any time that you want to come in, and long, you might be able to time your visit. Long as they don't, long as they don't use it for sending you fines for staying over your parking time. Do you, do you know how 
how many people have said that when you tell them about these Well, that's what it sounds like, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, it does. But isn't it, isn't it funny how our cynical minds go yeah. to what, what's the downside of using this? Instead of, oh, great, this is fantastic, I'll be able to get a car park, we go to, oh, my God, they're going to book me if I'm there too long. Um, <laughs> so, so some of the other things around around Derby Street, they'll be able to measure how many people go into, into stores at what particular point in time, which is going to help with staffing levels, wow. you know. So if I know that on Monday mornings no one's going to come into the store, I mean, I have an option to, to close or I might only have, you know, one person working in a store. If I know that there's going to be an influx of people at 4 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, I can staff it accordingly. Mm. They're the kind of things that, that to make life easier for a lot of people. Um, that Yeah, that we're looking at. And I can say that during the Hunter Innovation Festival, 14th to 17th of um, July, there's going to be a, um, a Smart Cities uh, talk. Okay. And it's going to be put on by, um, by the new Institute in Newcastle now. Um, and they're going to talk about um, smart investment in human and social capital. So how you use the traditional transport system, the energy system, how modern ICT enables communication infrastructure, how we go through fuel ec- economic growth and things like that, how we can fuel the economic growth in, around that whole concept. Okay. Um, so if anyone's interested, they can check out the program, hunterinnovation.biz, um, and have a look at what's on. We might talk about that more next time as we run out of time today. Oh, and I haven't stopped talking, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We'll talk to you again okay. next week. All right, have a great week. You too, bye-bye. Christina Sikiatis there, helping us to see, oh, smart city is interesting. There's always positive sides to negative sides in uh, technology, isn't there?